Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. We're going to turn our attention now to Silicon Valley. The federal government and 46 states filed sweeping antitrust laws against Facebook on Wednesday, alleging that the social media company is illegally maintaining a monopoly that crushes competition and harms users. The lawsuits filed in Washington, D.C. seek remedies that could require Facebook to sell off WhatsApp and Instagram. And we're going to talk about the complaints and what's at stake for the Menlo Park-based social networking giant with Tony Rahm senior tech policy reporter for the Washington Post. And welcome, Tony Rom. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to have you. And uh, let's begin by sort of outlining what we're talking about here. We're talking about Instagram, a $1 billion sale back in 2012, and WhatsApp, a $19 billion sale of that managing uh, service company in 2014. Essentially, um, the government, and we're talking not only about the FTC here, the Federal Trade Commission, we're talking about a number of states saying... Um, there's a monopoly here, but they didn't say it back when uh, the Obama administration and the FTC of that administration approved things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a bit of a complicated one, but in short, basically the federal government and you know nearly four dozen states essentially are saying that Facebook has become an unlawful monopoly. Now in the United States, it's not illegal to be big. You can be a big company, you can have lots of users, but the argument that government antitrust officials are making is that Facebook has unlawfully stifled competition and hurt users in the process. It's bought up all of these other companies, including Instagram and WhatsApp, as you mentioned. And as a result, it's left users with few viable alternatives. You know, if you don't want to use Facebook, for example, because you think it's a bad place to go for your privacy, there are a few other places that you can turn online for social networking. So the sum total of those things in the eyes of the government is a serious set of antitrust violations. And what we're likely to see is a major set of litigation going forward that could take many years to resolve. Yeah, in fact, it's almost predictable to take many years in a long legal battle because uh, well, Facebook's got a lot of money, but also few antitrust cases really have succeeded uh, in, in terms of the sort of thing that we're talking about here. It's It's pretty rare, isn't it? Well, there have been few that have been brought, in fact. I mean, this is part of the trouble that we have had in Washington. Some of the debate that we have seen nationally is that there have been plenty of antitrust concerns raised about companies, including Facebook and others like Google, but there hasn't been a whole lot of appetite on the part of the government or perhaps bandwidth to actually do something about it and to challenge these companies in court, precisely because they have so much money and they have so many resources that they can throw at this sort of thing. Now, all of that being said, I think you're right to question the likelihood of the government's success here, because it's certainly not a foregone conclusion that they're going to succeed in their attempts to break up a company like Facebook. We're likely to see a lot of legal wrangling over whether the government should have uh, you know, brought these cases if Facebook is in fact a monopoly, uh, and if it does actually hurt consumers as a result of the actions that it's taken. Well, I'm struck by the fact that this is a bipartisan effort, and many didn't think the Republicans would sign on to something like that, because uh, to some extent, uh, it was perceived that Zuckerberg was protecting himself against the Republican onslaught by the kind of 
well, stifling, as many people saw it, of free speech. But I want to go back a little bit to the historical uh, in this, um, and, and that has to do with the federal and state regulators investigating and beginning over a year and a half ago. Um, I mean, it goes back to Cambridge Analytic and political consultancy role that they paid with a $5 billion penalty that Facebook had to pay. And also, Facebook was in violation of privacy and uh, with respect to uh, strong privacy protections, according to state investigators, that had to do with uh, protective competition. So we've got a privacy issue here. We've also got Facebook maybe moving toward a status of monopoly or actually becoming a monopoly, a digital empire, as many would point out. Uh, and uh, it's the digital dominance that we're really talking about here, growing and, and siphoning off user data, isn't it? Yeah, it's an $800 billion juggernaut, basically. But you're absolutely right. You know, the story of this announcement just this week really begins perhaps more than a year ago. Actually, you could probably start it at the 2016 election, since I think for many people, that election helped bring to light some of the problems posed by Silicon Valley. But it was through, in no small part, the Federal Trade Commission's investigation into Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, where perhaps some at the commission began to see and began to collect records that raised questions about the ways in which Facebook was operating and the ways in which that might pose antitrust concerns. You know, we had announcements that the FTC was looking into this. Uh, last year, we had the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, and others signaling shortly after that they were going to commence a broad probe of the company. And so it was over that period of time that you know these investigators began to collect their documents, began to depose potential witnesses, and ultimately put out the complaints that we saw Wednesday. And Zuckerberg calls this an existential threat. And uh, a lot of this investigation, in terms of the congressional antitrust investigation, uh, uh, goes also to a big uh, cache of emails from Zuckerberg and his lieutenants, doesn't it? Yeah, they have a lot from Zuckerberg himself. Uh, you know, there were many instances over the course of Facebook's, what, roughly 16, 17 year history in which we can see the ways in which Mark Zuckerberg and his top lieutenants talked about competition and thought about competition, particularly with WhatsApp and Instagram. So just to sort of give you an example of this, with the Instagram purchase in 2012, the photo sharing company that Facebook bought for about a billion dollars, you know, Zuckerberg was essentially offering or, or threatening Instagram with an ultimatum. It was become part of us or be destroyed by us. You know, Zuckerberg wasn't that stark in his language, but there are a number of instances in the emails and other records that the government ultimately obtained that show the ways in which Facebook was planning or thinking about making life difficult for Instagram if it didn't ultimately surrender to what Zuckerberg was seeking. And there was a great need on Facebook's part to purchase a company like Instagram. There are other documents from Zuckerberg and his peers that reflect this belief within Facebook in 2012 that the company really wasn't positioned in the photo space. I know that might sound silly to folks in 2020, uh, particularly because so many of us were uploading albums to Facebook many years ago to share photos with our friends and just given the popularity of Instagram today. but. You know, Facebook wasn't positioned well, it thought, at the time for that onslaught of photos. And so Facebook was trying to address one of its business needs and was doing so in a way that regulators saw as, de you know, definitely anti-competitive. And if you've just joined us, we're talking about the antitrust lawsuits filed against Facebook this week by the federal government and 46 states, plus the District of Columbia and Guam. Tony Rahm is with us, senior tech policy reporter for The Washington Post. What questions do you have about the Facebook lawsuits? Do you think the government should break up Facebook? And do you think power is too concentrated among the tech giants? 
Weigh in here. Give us a call now. Toll-free number, 866-733-6786. You can join us right now at that number, 866-733-6786. want to hear your comments and questions, and you can also bring them to the fore here by getting in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email us, forum at kqed.org. We're coming up on a break here, Tony, but can you explain how this harms users or how this potentially could harm users if it's monopolization? Yeah, the big issue here is privacy. Now, most of the time when we're talking about an antitrust case, we typically think of it in the context of prices, right? There's one company that buys up another company or does something monopolistic in nature. And as a result, the uh, you know consumers face higher prices for a good or a service. In this case, what the government is saying is that people are paying a price, it's just with their data. Facebook bought up a number of companies uh, and, and, and restricted access to a number of services that resulted in fewer privacy protective services out there. And so users had trouble as a result of that on Facebook's platform. We'll be back soon. Join us, 866-733-6786. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. You're listening to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny, and we're talking about the antitrust lawsuits filed against Facebook this week by the federal government and 46 states plus D.C. and Guam. The only states that are not on that are Georgia, South Dakota, South Carolina, and Alabama. And Tony Rahm is with us, senior tech policy reporter for The Washington Post. You can be with us as well. If you have questions about the Facebook lawsuits or if you think the government should break up Facebook or you think their power is too concentrated, or power simply is too concentrated among tech giants. I'd like to hear your thoughts and your opinions. You can give us a call now at 866-733-6786 and be part of the program. Again, the number for your calls, 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email questions to forum at kqed.org. Interested, uh, Tony, before we bring our callers in here on just the fact that Europe has been so much tougher on, well, these large tech companies and these large tech companies uh, are essentially what we're talking about here, though we're focusing to a great extent and largely on Facebook. But it's it's hard to escape the fact that the FTC and the DOJ began investigating not only Facebook, but Google and Amazon and Apple back in, as I alluded to earlier, June of 2019, looking at anti-competitive practices among these tech platforms. And they're much tougher across the pond than Europe. Yeah, that's been the primary criticism here in the U.S. for quite some time, that it has kind of taken Washington and everybody else just a bit too long to wake up to some of the problems posed by Facebook and Google and some of these other technology giants. I mean, just for the sake of comparison, look at a company like Google. I think at this point, the European Commission has issued about $9 billion worth of fines and a boatload of other penalties against Google for all kinds of anti-competitive actions, whether it was preferencing its search engine or making it harder for folks to compete in the smartphone space. 
in the US. Meanwhile, the government, at least many years ago, investigated and largely dismissed some of those complaints against Google and really only recently has started to take action against that company with a lawsuit or a series of lawsuits actually uh, filed starting last month and expected to have more uh, into this month. And so that to many people just kind of shows that contrast between Europe, which has been much more aggressive to act in the US, which has become aggressive, but perhaps you know a little bit late. Also, before we hear from listeners, I'd like your response to Facebook's attorney, lead attorney, uh, Jennifer Newstead. Uh, I was reading some of her remarks and she was saying federal regulators could have stopped the deals and they didn't under Obama. And fa frankly, uh, she was saying the government uh, is trying to do a makeover here, a do-over, and uh, that's really adversarial to business in general. Well, this will be hashed out in court, right? I mean, and and if you talk to a lot of legal experts, they, they say that there's a very important piece missing from what Facebook said earlier this week. It is true that the US government, the Federal Trade Commission, allowed the WhatsApp and Instagram purchases to proceed. But the, the government didn't you know, bless those deals. It didn't come out and outright say, yes, we reviewed and approved them. They just said, we're not gonna stand in the way of them, which may sound like a difference without a distinction, but it is important in this context. And in doing so, the government in both cases said that it reserved the right to take action in the future if it thought that doing so would be in the public interest. The government is saying that it is now in the public interest to break this company, to break Facebook apart. So it is well within the government's right, a lot of legal experts say, to go back and you know take a look at Facebook and potentially try to unwind those deals because they have become anti-competitive since then. The question for Facebook will be, can it prove to a judge that it in fact is not an anti-competitive company? Yeah, I think we probably ought to uh, insert the notion here that uh, according to the FTC, Instagram and uh, WhatsApp were actually viable, com viable competitors of Facebook. And they said Facebook threatened to cut off third party software developers if they made competing products. Let's bring in a caller here. Atul joins us from Oakland. Atul, good morning. Hi, good morning uh, for taking my call. Uh, while I'm happy that this uh, lawsuit has been brought against Facebook, uh, I'm wondering there have been monopolies that have been coming up in these several industries over the last 40 years, ever since uh, Reagan changed the antitrust policy of the country. Uh, we uh, look at the cell phone industry, the high-speed broadband industry. We pay twice as much as other industrialized countries. There are monopolies in the food industries, in the meat, chicken industry, pork industry, and everywhere. What are the chances of these being carried forward to other industries? Is there any, any appetite that you see of this being replicated with antitrust suits in other industries? Yeah, I thank you for the question, Atul. Uh, what do you see on that horizon, if anything, Tony Ra? Yeah, that's a great question. And some of the people who have been loudest in calling for the US government to take action against Facebook and Google and other tech companies have actually been out, outspoken about the need for that aggressiveness to apply to other industries, whether it's telecom or broadband access or agriculture or whatever the case may be. Now, the US has a bit of a mixed record in those industries as well. You know, under the Trump administration, for example, we saw one of the largest telecom that mega mergers in recent memory as Sprint and T-Mobile were allowed to combine. That deal under Democratic presidents had been essentially blocked. The government made clear it was not going to allow that to happen, but the Trump administration allowed it to happen. It did not stand in the way. 
And so I think the question that the caller asks is one that's going to loom over the incoming Biden administration, you know, almost as soon as the president-elect takes office in January. In the people that he chooses to appoint to some of these key roles at the Justice Department and the Federal Trade Commission and other agencies, we'll begin to get a sense as to how seriously the Biden administration will take issues around corporate consolidation. But he certainly has a lot of folks within the Democratic Party, and to some extent even outside the Democratic Party, who really want to see the incoming Biden administration be more aggressive against bigness. And bigness not just in the tech sector, but across the economy. So can we make any kind of prediction here uh, or speculation about the effect on future mergers in the tech industry? I mean, Facebook was going to buy a customer, weren't they, for about uh, a billion dollars, that startup? Yeah, and and I think there's actually another deal. Facebook was trying to buy a Jiffy uh, for for a I actually don't know if they disclosed the amount, but I think with tech mergers in particular, you're likely to see a mixed bag. I mean, with Facebook in particular, the state attorneys general have asked a judge essentially to make it harder, perhaps, for the company to start gobbling up companies while this litigation is ongoing. And then across the board, I think that there's this recognition that heightened government oversight means deals that may have gone through in previous years are going to be harder sells in the future. So your likelihood of seeing some sort of multi-billion dollar tech transaction, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more diminished, but someone's probably going to try, right? And so it's going to be up to the Biden administration to really say, or to really show rather, if all of this talk about consolidation is actually going to affect their policy around consolidation. Talking about separate lawsuits by the FTC, federal government, as well as states suing uh, Facebook as an illegal monopoly, 48 attorneys general, including California, have signed on to the lawsuits of the states. And you may want to sign on here and let us know by email what your thoughts are. You can do that by sending your questions or comments to forum at kqed.org. And let me go to some emails. Uh, John wants to know, Tony, uh, do you see a parallel between AT&T's monopoly in the 20th century and Facebook's monopoly now? That's a good question. I mean, I think I think there there one could one significant difference between what we were talking about with AT and T and what we're talking about with Facebook is just how we measure harm. I mean, we weren't talking in the AT and T context about a monopoly whose greatest effect on consumers was the effect it had on privacy. We're talking about an instance with Facebook in which its consolidation, its purchase of WhatsApp and Instagram has caused the greatest effect on Americans because it has allowed Facebook to monetize their data more aggressively and while leaving with those users fewer options that they can turn to elsewhere for social networking services. That's just very different from the the world that AT&T created in buying up so many companies in the telecom space. But the one, I think, legacy of the AT&T case that will affect the government here is just how difficult it is to bring these cases. And the additional element to all of this is that AT&T was like Humpty Dumpty in the end, right? It kind of put itself back together. So whatever the government ultimately ends up doing in the context of the Facebook uh, cases with, with these two lawsuits filed this week, it's gonna be important to kind of watch what happens going forward and how that company involves, not just during the lawsuit, but well after it. But at the core of these lawsuits, I think uh, we can say, or these complaints, is the fact that Facebook policy is being viewed as being against developers who make apps uh, that copy any existing Facebook uh, feature on on the platform, on its platform. That's anti-competitive, as they as they're arguing, isn't it? 
Yeah, that is a key part of it. Basically, Facebook weaponizing data. You know, remember a company like Instagram, especially in its early years before Facebook bought it, Facebook was the way it got the word out. Facebook was how people discovered other friends were using Instagram and that allowed Instagram to become more popular. And, there, you know, there are a whole host of other services that particularly years ago were relying on Facebook to get the message across and to kind of grow at their own pace. And so the argument the commission and the attorneys general are making is that Facebook often would turn off access to that data or shut down access to the platform to stop another site or service from becoming so popular that it could pose a real comp competitive threat to a company like Facebook. They see that as anti-competitive. But in terms of evaluating the effects of that, uh, you know, that behavior, the government is always mindful of what it calls the consumer welfare standard. Essentially, the government is more concerned with the harm to you and I than it is to the harm to another company that may not survive as a result of fierce competition. And yeah, so in I, the lawsuits. I'm sorry, that's why oh, I asked ahead. you earlier about the harm to users or what, what, what was being put forward here is the harm to users. I think that's an important piece. Right, right. And in this case, they're saying the harm to users is, among other things, their loss of privacy. Yeah. And a question from a listener who wants to know, perhaps, or says perhaps a viable solution to the Facebook monopoly problem would be to require that users be able to share or transfer their data to companies outside of Facebook. What do you think, Tony Rom? Well, that is the argument that Facebook often makes. You'll hear a lot of folks in the tech industry talking about what is called data portability or interoperability, this idea that you could download all your stuff and take it elsewhere. But there are, there are folks in this debate who point out that there's a very, very serious problem with the portability argument. It sounds great, right? Like the idea that I could take my stuff and just go elsewhere is, is, is a good one, but where are you taking it? You know, in a world in which Facebook has bought up all of its competition as government officials allege, where are you taking this data uh, that's, that, that's popular and usable? There, are, there aren't really a whole lot of other social networks to go. And when can you consider the fact that the thing that makes social networking so powerful and so desirable to users is the fact that all of your friends are there. You know, you don't want to go to another social networking site or service that isn't popular among your peers. There's, there's, there, there's a network effect there. So I think the data portability argument often has been rejected by government officials because they just simply don't see it as the end-all be-all solution to the competition problems that we're raising today. Well, the end all be all of this would be to break up Facebook. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the fact that the DOJ Department of Justice said has had a lawsuit a couple months ago against Google and, uh, well, they didn't demand break up. They did not demand break up. It, it, you know, sometimes the government can can kind of play this game as the DOJ did, where the complaint filed with the court says something along the lines of we asked the judge to consider everything and everything, including potentially the breakup of the company. It left the door open uh, for, for a judge to go down that route if the government ultimately thinks that that's where things should go. But the Google case is a much different case than Facebook. With Facebook, we're talking about a company that gobbled everybody up with lots of emails that show Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg discussing why they needed to gobble everybody up. With Google, the argument primarily is all of the special arrangements that Google strikes to ensure that its search engine is the most popular, most profitable search engine on the planet to the detriment of competition and consumers. So it may just be the case that the reason the government didn't include the word breakup in its lawsuit is largely because there are other pathways by which they could address their concerns with Google. But even though the word is not specifically there, does not mean that the government 
couldn't ultimately seek it down the line if it, if it so chooses. Yeah, I think it was that word breakup that uh, prompted Zuckerberg to talk about this being an existential threat to the company. But also, uh, we should point out that those stocks actually uh, lost close to 2% following the announcement of the lawsuits. Uh, let me bring another caller on here from Sunnyvale. Mike joins us. Good morning, Mike. Hey, thanks. Uh, good conversation. You know, when I'm listening to this, you know, something that I'm thinking about is really that, you know, Facebook, Google, Apple, you know, the Bay Area has really become a company town, you know, and our reliance on these uh, large corporations is huge. And so with these types of conversations, you know, what effect might this have on the Bay Area as a whole? Want to speculate there at all, Tony? You know, at least in the short term, probably no effect. I mean, we're talking about lots of changes, you know, proposed by the government here that will take just so many years to work through. I mean, the the the, the challenge that the U.S. government brought against Microsoft was what over like ten years. I want to say, uh, Microsoft now, of course, is doing swimmingly well. Uh, they certainly don't have any trouble, even though the lawsuit at the time ultimately forced the company to change its business practices. I don't think there's any risk that these lawsuits targeting Google or Facebook slows down those companies and their desire to grow and their desire to hire. Um, that's evident, I think, in some of their earnings reports, which continue to show their desire to grow and their desire to hire and to invest. Because if they kind of let their foot up the gas, these tech executives say, then they're going to get outpaced by somebody else. And I so think they sort of have this like... I, this could take years, though, as we said before. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I want to get another caller in here while we have sure. just a minute or two. Scott is joining us. Scott, good morning. Yeah, hi. Hi, um, Scott. I would love it. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Great. Um, I would love it if the, uh, experts could explain. Um, I'm just not following all the way. If the data, our personal data, can still be collected freely and bartered and warehoused, and sold on the open market, why does it matter if it's one big company or a lot of little companies? The data, I mean, what changes other than um, crowding out competitors? It's a good question, Scott. Up? Thank you for that. Let me go back to Tony Rom. Yeah, it's a good question. I think there are sort of two separate issues. The first is that you have no other choice, at least in the eyes of regulators, about where to take your data right now. I think in their minds, if the, if the market were operating optimally, there would be some other social networking service that could compete with Facebook that could promise you the privacy that you're describing, where your information sort of isn't bought and sold uh, in ways that you can see and can't see. Uh, and, and, and they argue that Facebook has essentially thwarted the ability of that other you know, privacy protective service from coming into fruition. I think the second issue, though, that you sort of raise is the trouble in using antitrust here. Antitrust can do a lot of things about bigness and power and competition and even things like privacy. But what it can't do is tell the entirety of Silicon Valley to handle data better. That's the role of regulation. That's the role of privacy legislation in Congress. That's the sort of thing that can tell Facebook and everybody else that there are some guardrails about how you collect and monetize data. And that's why I think you'll hear a lot of folks this week and into the weeks to come, particularly those on Capitol Hill, say, we just have to address this through regulation. We have to do something in a law in the shorter term that can really just address this privacy issue throughout the industry. Tony, you got seconds left here, but I want to get to a question by a listener named Arun who says, I'm not sure why exactly the WhatsApp acquisition is becoming an antitrust issue. WhatsApp data cannot be mined by Facebook to make money because it's end-to-end -end encrypted. I'm not sure if Facebook is making any more from consumers using the WhatsApp chat. 
Yeah, you know, they're not selling ads through WhatsApp, but the concern has been that Facebook has integrated WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook into one service. They've been combining that data. That integration was something Facebook promised it would never do. When it bought WhatsApp, it said it was going to keep WhatsApp independent and privacy protective. Facebook has started to backslide on that promise. So while WhatsApp is not this like massive advertising revenue generator for Facebook, there is this broader concern about what the future of WhatsApp might be. And well, we will leave it there that- with the future of WhatsApp. Uh, Tony Ram, good to have you with us. Appreciate very much your being with us this morning on Forum. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tony Ram, senior tech policy reporter for The Washington Post. And we're here with you Monday through Friday, 9 to 11, an hour repeated 10 to 11 in the evening. You can always let us know what you think about what you hear on Forum by emailing us or what you'd like to hear, forum at kqed.org. And Forum is produced by Judy Campbell, Tina Larberg, Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, Grace Wan, and Susan Britton. Our senior editor is Dan Zoll. Engineers, Danny Bringer and Katie McBurn. Executive editor, Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and chief content officer, Holly Kernan. Please stay safe. I'm Michael Krasny. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, The smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.